the Jesse Kelly Show on a Friday. Let's have some fun. It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. We have full-out communist conversations coming from the White House press secretary. Somebody is demanding a retelling of the bathroom story. I'll get to that in a minute. We have national divorce questions. We have questions about what do I think Democrats are going to do when it comes to confiscating your guns. What's happening around the world. And a letter. Well, I guess email. It is the 21st century, Chris. We have an email. I'll get to it in about 45 minutes from now. We have an email from somebody who's getting out of the Army. You're going to want to sit right there and listen to this email. About 45 minutes from now, I will read it for you. It is a whew, it's a jaw-dropper. It's a sobering, sobering jaw-dropper. <clears throat> now, I was going to lead with my little tidbit from Tucker Carlson's show last night. Not because I like to draw attention to myself. I would never, but simply because it absolutely drove the left insane. However, that's going to have to wait. Why? Because Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, said something, and I'm going to play it for you. I'll play it multiple times during the show, and I have something dark I have to tell you about it. Something really dark about it, but understand... I'm going to try to keep this show as light as possible because it's Friday on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. But there is something about this, something about everything you're seeing now, I want you to understand. Here was Jen Psaki. She was asked about, remember, they already came out and said, oh, we're telling Facebook we want this person banned and we want that person banned. Uh, There's this private public partnership now against you. She had more to say today. You shouldn't be banned from one platform and not others uh, if you are for uh, uh, providing misinformation out there. Misinformation. You should be banned from all the platforms. Now, let's take this little audio tidbit and let's set it aside for a moment. Put it, put it in your pocket for a moment, if you will. I want you to think about something, and this is going to be hard to hear. It's going to be sobering, but we have to do this before we get into the fun. I may, I may even tell you the bathroom story in a couple minutes because we've got to do something really hard here. And I don't want to bring you down. But I want you to think about everything going on right now in the United States of America that disgusts you, scares you, angers you, every little bit of it. I want you to think about the government when it comes to censorship when it comes to their aggression. I want you to think about the corporate world, the corporate world, how radical they've gotten, how radical and crazy cultural Marxists they've gotten. I want you to think about sports, how this is all infected and infested sports and ruined it. I want you to think about your movies, your sitcoms, your music, how nutty it all is now. I want you to think about American universities, the things they're saying in American universities, these communist professors, the radical protests, the everything. I want you to think about all of it. Take it all in. Now, that's all the bad stuff, right? You got it all in your head and a bunch of other stuff I didn't even listen. 
or I didn't even list, but you have all this stuff in your head, right? There is one thing you absolutely must understand. You have to understand this or we're finished. These people aren't about to slow down. What you're seeing right now, all the insanity out there, child drag queens on Good Morning America, everything, all the insanity out there. You and I can fall into a trap, and I do this a lot because I try to look. I mean, I try to be as sunny as possible about the outlook of life, and I and I look at, at how crazy this society has gotten, and this is what I do. I say to myself, at least subconsciously, I say, "Well, I, oh man, I'm betting this insanity is about over." Well, I bet people have had enough. Up, oh, look, those television ratings going downhill. They're going to wake up and they're going to drop all that nonsense. Oh, surely the government, surely the White House, they're seeing the outrage about their censorship comments. Oh, I bet Facebook is too, and they're going to back off. I have these thoughts in my head. I'm dead wrong. If you have those thoughts in your head, You're dead wrong. These people, in their minds, you must understand the way they think. In their minds, they haven't even gotten started. They haven't even gotten started. They, you're you're looking around right now in horror at everything around you, and you should. What has happened to your culture, what has happened to your country, you should be looking around in horror. But them... They're looking around. They're also in horror. They're in horror. It's not worse. You understand that, right? You must understand that. And I am not telling you that to bring you down. I'm telling you that so you understand the fight we have ahead of us. We're not almost out of the woods. This isn't going to be taken care of by a uh, a midterm election. Woohoo, we took back the house in the midterms. Oh look, we have a one vote advantage in the Senate too. Woohoo. Thank goodness that was getting close there for a while. Oh wow, it's 2024. We just won the presidency. I can't believe Ron DeSantis beat Kamala Harris. All is right with the world. Oh, I can finally can finally relax. I bet the left will back off and learn their lesson now. They don't think like that. That's not how they think. Every single thing you're seeing right now, play this again, Chris, and as you listen, understand. You see how easy? Do you hear how easy it is for her? How the words just simply roll right off her tongue without, without a second thought. You shouldn't be banned from one platform and not others uh, if you are for uh, uh, providing misinformation out there. Of course. Of course you should be. Well, yes, we support banning you off this platform. I mean, we're we're collecting your name because you're saying things we don't like. And we're sending that to our friends over at Facebook. And we're making sure you get wiped out. But, oh, do I think they should be banned off of others? Oh, my gosh. Yes, of course. What are you talking about? Of course. Yeah, we should just ban them from speaking. Well, what? 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 Why do you want to ban them from speaking? Well, they're saying things I don't like. They're saying things I disagree with, so, so they shouldn't be allowed to speak. They don't even understand how they sound. 
That's another thing we have to get. That's why they're not at their final form yet. There's not a single one of these people, not one, who goes home at night and looks in the mirror and says, oh, man, am I the bad guy? I'm the bad guy, aren't I? Not one of them. They're not going to slow down. This is not their final form. They're going to keep coming. I mean, people were, well, on the right, people loved my little hit on Tucker Carlson last night. People on the left are so unbelievably outraged about what I said on Tucker Carlson last night. They're sending threats today to my wife. My wife is getting threats today. They're, they're, the left is furious. There's article after article after, after article about it, about what a monster I am. They're calling for my firing. They're, I mean, they are coming for my head for that. Do you think I care? Do you think I care even one little bit? I know who these people are. I know how these people think. I have read history books. I am their enemy. They are my enemy. I'm glad they're mad. In fact, in fact, as soon as we get back, I'm playing the Tucker interview again. I may play it 10 times tonight just because it makes them mad. Don't you dare think you're getting an apology from me. Hang on. Here's the clip. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. It is The Jesse Kelly Show, and I'm fairly positive that is a reference to The Devil's Lettuce with that song, Chris. That is that is not good. Look, I'm going to get to my Tucker Carlson clip here in just a second. We're going to get to your Ask Dr. Jesse questions, and it's going to be a great day. But just remember this. You have to remember this. You seek out an end to all this craziness. You want it to stop. And so what happens is because you want it so bad, you try to see it in everything. I want this to end. I want it to end. Oh, look at this. That's a sign. It's about to end. Play that Jen Psaki clip another time. Remember this. This is not the final form of these people. You shouldn't be banned from one platform and not others uh, if you are for uh, uh, providing misinformation out there. Remember that. These people believe what they believe all the way. They're not going to stop. They're not going to slow down. They're concerned with all the power they don't have yet. Isn't that crazy? They're concerned about every inch they haven't infested and infected and ruined yet. And they think their life won't be complete until they get it all. Don't ever forget who these people are. So I'll play you my clip. I was on Tucker Carlson's show last night, and apparently this is the clip heard around the world, and they're all super mad about my little line in it. And they all want to be, well, you know what? I'll tell you what they said to me after. You're going to love this. Everybody watching you right now has worked for or worked yeah. with somebody who just has ambition just dripping off of their pores. And that's Kamala that's right. Harris. Those types of people will do anything to get ahead. They treat their bosses like crap. They treat their employees like crap. That's why she knifed Joe Biden in the debate with all that race nonsense. There was no need to do yeah. that. It's the exactly. same reason she cackles like a dead hyena every time she's asked an uncomfortable question. It's the same reason she started out her political career as Willie Brown's bratwurst bun. Kamala Harris will do anything to get ahead. 
<laughs> All right. I understand uh, that angered some people on the left. I'm glad it did. And the funniest part, the most amazing part was this, because I need to clarify this, and this may bother you, and I get that. I understand that I may not be for everybody. Immediately, of course, all these reporters were all up in arms that I would say such a thing about St. Kamala, even though nobody refuted what I said. Anyway, immediately some dork from the Washington Post, he gets on there and he says, uh, so-and-so, I forget who it was, said the same thing about Kamala a while ago and was forced to apologize. And I immediately got on there and I said, you people are insane. You've gotten way too used to whining and belly aching your way into getting apologies out of people. So allow me to explain something to you very carefully right now. And it, it, I understand it's probably not going to be popular, but I'm saying it. I'm never going to apologize for anything. Never. And, and you know what? It's not just not apologize to the left. I'm not apologizing when I do do something wrong. And believe me, I'm 100% going to do something wrong. We all know I'm going to get in some kind of trouble for something. It's inevitable. That's who I am. I'm still not going to apologize. Why? I view this as combat. We are not in a friendly game of, of cribbage here. We're in combat. I don't apologize to my enemy. I don't apologize to anybody. I don't have time for that. I don't have time. We don't have time for that anymore. And these people, they've gotten so used to people on the right apologizing, he actually thought that was going to work. He thought that he was going to, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Washington Post reporter. I shouldn't have said anything. I'm so not sorry. I think I'll play that clip again three times on my nationally syndicated show right now. I'll play it. I'll, I'll play it. You know what, Chris? Play it again. This is how sorry I am. Everybody watching you right now has worked for or worked yeah. with somebody who just has ambition just dripping off of their pores. And that's Kamala that's right. Harris. Those types of people will do anything to get ahead. They treat their bosses like crap. They treat their employees like crap. That's why she knifed Joe Biden in the debate with all that race nonsense. There was no need to do yeah. that. It's the exactly. same reason she cackles like a dead hyena every time she's asked an uncomfortable question. It's the same reason she started out her political career as Willie Brown's bratwurst bun. Kamala Harris will do anything. To I'm not sorry. And even if I was, I wouldn't say sorry to you, ever. You're never getting that out of me. Times have changed now. Now I know who you are. I know what you are. And I understand you don't want my apology. What you want is me to kneel before you and grovel so you can feel like you have some power over me. Up yours. Never in a million years will I let that happen. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse question. <laughs> Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Somebody said, Dr. Jesse, would you please tell your ba Denver bathroom story again? It almost led me to have a bathroom story of my own in my car. I haven't laughed that hard in ages. You guys are cruel, heartless people who enjoy my pain. I'm going to say this one more time, and then I'm never telling this story again. You understand me? <clears throat> I was in Denver. You know I don't like public restrooms. Everybody knows I don't like public restrooms. Again, I'm not some germaphobe freak, hand sanitizer 90 times a day. I'm not like that. I just, I see how people, you don't wash their, your hands. Guys, I see you. I see you when you go up there and you pee 
and then you just turn around and you walk out the bathroom without washing your hands. I I don't want to touch that doorknob. I don't want to touch anything that you touch now, okay, because I don't want to touch your nether regions. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe that's not even acceptable to say today. Either way, public restrooms gross me out because I see how gross you are. I walk into the Denver airport restroom. I walk in and I don't want to be there. It's a situation where I have no choice, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I have no choice. I open up the toilet stall, close the door, and unbeknownst to me, the commode in front of me has two fatal flaws. One, when it flushes, it flushes hard, meaning water splatters out of it. Up and out of it. Not 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 waterfalls, but splashes up and out of it. Two, and this is the big one, it has a broken motion sensor. It's one of those motion sensor flushes, right? That's supposed to flush when you get up. This one, I maybe it's not broken. Maybe it works just better than all the others. This one flushed anytime you moved at all. I didn't know this when I sat down. I sit down almost right away. Boom, I get flushed on. Meaning I get water splattered on me from the airport toilet. I I think to myself, okay, well, that's got to be a glitch. I'm really grossed out right now. That's got to be a glitch. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. Five seconds later, I move. Just move my back. It does it again. And now... Now I know I'm in trouble because I still have to finish. I don't have a choice here, and I'm essentially sitting on a ticking time bomb of toilet water. What happened next? I will finish in a moment, and then we'll get to your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Hang on. Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Man, I love that song. That's a good song, Chris. I can't believe it. As many times as you screw something up, you actually got something right. What? I'm trying to be nice and pay you a compliment. (laughs) Learn to take a a compliment. It's the Jesse Kelly Show on a Friday and Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. It's been too long. Let's get to your questions here. I need the name of the book Jesse recommended on his show about paid mercenaries and the murder of the Haitian president. He said the author is now deceased, but wrote a book about his experience. Also, I read that the Haitian president was one of the heads of three small countries that would not allow COVID vaccines. I don't know anything about that. The name of the book I gave you, if you want to understand PMCs, private military contractors, the name of the book is Zero Footprint. And no, I don't know the author. He's dead. I don't even know where the proceeds are going. It's not like they're sponsoring the show or something. I'm just telling you. There are some books out there that are really revealing. You really want to understand that world. And in the coming days, you should probably understand that world. Go read Zero Footprint. Moving on. Dr. Jesse, a cheetah can't retract its claws. So its claws are similar to a dog's claws. You might fight with a cheetah, but you need to be prepared for the 60 plus mile per hour hit it's going to deliver. 
This is, of course, in reference to my claims that I am able to take a cheetah in single combat. Uh, these claims are irrefutable. I understand about the claws. I actually didn't know they were retractable. I guess I should have looked into that before I said I could take a cheetah. But I'm sure I can take one. What, Chris? Chris says I'm not going to be able to withstand the 60-mile-an-hour hit. That cheetah can't withstand me, Chris. I don't have to withstand him. The cheetah can't withstand me. Get, get serious. Dr. Jesse, do you think the current political climate in America mirrors in any way what happened in Rhodesia in that there was a thriving nation that turned into a pile of garbage because of a progressive push? Apologies if you've spoken on this before. Love the show. Yes and no. Most of the African nations, because we always we talk about Africa, and I do this too, when you talk about Africa, you tempted, you tempted, you're tempted to just lump it all in as one. Oh, Africa, as if it's one country. Africa's gigantic with a bunch of different countries. And some of them have their act together, and some of them do not. But we see one that doesn't, and automatically you say to yourself, huh, Africa, what a dump. Now, some of them have their act together. But many of the ones who do have their act together in Africa they're right there on the brink. They're not that far removed from when they didn't have their act together. Does that make sense? Oh, it's the best way I can explain. You ever see, you know what? Here's a great, here's a great way to explain it. Professional athlete. Uh, NBA. NBA is a great example. You ever see one of these stars? Somebody grows up, probably didn't grow up wealthy. That's half the reason you become a professional athlete because you have nothing else to do but go practice all day and soon, boom, wow, I'm really good at basketball. Didn't have very much money. And then, wham, you have all the money. All the money. You're drowning in it. And soon, of course, what do you see? It's time and time and time again. There was an old statistic. I hope this has changed, but it used to hold water. 84% of the NBA players were bankrupt within five years of leaving the NBA. Soon you see the Diamonds, you see the Bentleys, nine different houses, a new supermodel, a girlfriend every week, or ten, and it all goes away. It all goes away. Why? It's hard to change who you are when you weren't raised, when you weren't prepared to handle it. It's hard for... Most of us to understand because we're not millionaires, right? You're not a millionaire, not a millionaire. I mean, I take that back. I guess with a show this size, there probably are plenty of millionaires listening, but I'm assuming you're not a millionaire. All of a sudden, if you were one, pick a number, 10 million, 20 million dropped in your lap tonight. Now that doesn't sound like the end of the world to me. I don't know about you, but let's say you were, that probably sounds good. Doesn't it? You probably right away. Oh man, I would. I'd pay off my house. I'd take a vacation here, buy this, buy that. Are you 100% sure you'd handle it well? And how much would it take for you to revert back to who you just were? Because deep down, that's who you are because that's how you were raised. A lot of the African nations who are doing well they were doing really poorly recently, and so they don't 
it's it's harder for them to keep a hold of it. The United States of America has a unique situation in that one, we were founded by the British who were the most powerful nation in the world by a mile when they founded us. So we had wealthy benefactors, if you will. And then we land in this gigantic hunk of ground and, oh my gosh, there's endless supplies of natural resources here. We've now, obviously America struggled and we've gone through several things, but as a country, we've only ever really known prosperity. And yes, I'm aware of the Great Depression and things like that, but even that was prosperity compared to most nations. What I'm saying to you is this. It'll take time to take a country that's only ever known really civilization and prosperity. It'll take time to revert back to something really, really ugly. Now, I don't want to put too sunny of a face on it. I think we'll get there. I I do think we'll get there. But there's enough institutional memory out there right now of people who remember our cultural ways that it'll take more and more time. It's just, look, it's easy for the NBA player, 22 year old millionaire to go bankrupt because he just got there. He doesn't have a lifetime preparing him how to handle that kind of wealth, how to handle that kind of pressure, how to handle that kind of outside influence. How you, you just, you're not prepared for it because you just got it. Oftentimes, now, we like to dog on rich kids, right? But oftentimes, you have these families who are wealthy, and the next generation's wealthy, and the next generation's wealthy. And oftentimes, they turn out to be pretty well-rounded, right? I speak 12 languages and got a 4.0 at Yale. I'm the fifth generation of billionaire. Well, a lot of that's simply because they were prepared to deal with that life, and they're better prepared to deal with it. Here's the truth of it. And this is tough to hear. Everyone's going to turn off the radio. This is tough to hear. You probably shouldn't have a billion dollars. I probably shouldn't have a billion dollars. And let's set you aside for a moment. Let's do my favorite thing in the world and focus on me. If I were given a billion dollars now, I would like to think I'd be okay. I mean, I've got good credit. I pay my bills. I'm a bad person, but I'm a responsible person. So I, I, I would like to think I'd be okay Am I 100% sure I'd be okay? No. But it's actually worse than that. What if I were 20-year-old Jesse again, 25-year-old Jesse, and that guy got a billion dollars? I promise you I would not be alive. I promise you I would not be alive. I, 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 was not, I would not have been able to handle something like that. I just would not have been able to. I wasn't ready. I don't know that you really get ready to have access to everything. Because remember, like we talked about before, what's wealth and power? Wealth and power is access. That's what it is. Access to what? Everything. Do you really think it would be healthy for you tonight? Jesse snaps his fingers like a genie in a bottle. Billion dollars in your bank account. You think it would be healthy for you to have access to anything you want? I don't think so. I don't think so. I dang well know it wouldn't have been healthy for me. I dang well know it. Now, we have more Ask Dr. Jesse questions. We have many fun Ask Dr. Jesse questions, but we have one that's a little bit heavy. 
a little bit heavier. I'm going to get to that next because it's time we address it. It's about our military. It's a letter from somebody in the military, and he has a story that is going to be hard to hear, but I think it's important you and I do hear it. Speaking of hard to hear, did you hear? Did you hear what the Fed chairman said yesterday about inflation? They're not even sugarcoating it right now. He flat out said, and this is a, it's quite an admission from the Fed chairman, uh, yeah, we have inflation now, and we're going to keep having inflation. That means not only has the value of your dollar gone down, they're not even pretending like that drop is going to stop. It's going to keep dropping. Please diversify. Protect that wealth you've worked so hard for. Call Oxford Gold Group today. Real precious metals. Again, not a piece of paper. Not a piece of paper saying you own some gold somewhere. They will put gold and silver in your hands at Oxford Gold Group. And if you call and tell them Jesse sent you, they will take extra special care of you. 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. Call Oxford Gold Group today. Not a piece of paper. Gold you can hold. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com What's your message to platforms like Facebook? They're killing people. <laughs> it's the Jelly Jesse Kelly Show. The Jelly Show. It's the Jesse Kelly Show. That was just that was Joe Biden just a little bit ago. These people aren't going to slow down. I tried to explain that at the beginning of the show. Every horrible thing, way beyond Biden and the Democrats and all that, every horrible thing you see out there right now, you have to understand they're not at their final form, not even close. They're never going to slow down, back off, back away, get tired. They're never going to look in the mirror and say to themselves, oh, man, this is probably, you know, we've been at this a long time. We've crushed a lot of freedom. We've rotted out America's culture. I think we're done. I think, you know, we've done enough. I think we're done. They don't think like that. They don't think like that at all. They're not going to slow down. Now, I haven't asked Dr. Jesse question, and it's a long one. It's actually more of a statement, but it's a long one. I need you to hear it, and I need you to hear it because I have been very forceful about the rot in the military. I've been going over it in the Navy this week about how dangerous it is. It is not a small thing. Losing a war against a major power is a worse experience than you or I can ever imagine. I read what these people went through in books, and it's horrific. If you do not have a military that is ready and able to defeat the enemy, you're going to lose a major war. How many people do you think want what we have here in America? How many people do you think want these natural resources with these waterways? These, I mean, all the advantages we have. How many people out there do you think want it? How many will come take it if we can't stop them? Keep that in mind when I read you this. Dr. Jesse, I just left active duty last month after eight years. 
I loved being a soldier, but walked away after seeing the total rot of the Army. My last assignment assignment was as an ROTC instructor in the Deep South, mind you, but even that didn't matter. We were forced so many times to conduct racial sensitivity training, sexual assault, equal opportunity, or equal opportunity, radicalization, insider, each semester. As an ROTC cadet, they only have a finite amount of hours of teaching and training time. This type of training like this was constant and took away from our mission of preparing future officers. One particular situation disgusted me. Are you paying attention? Pay attention. Cadet Command gives a finite amount of extra summer training slots away to each school, meaning that an ROTC program might get one or two airborne or air assault slots. These are highly coveted slots by the cadets, and we usually give these out based on a few factors, grades, physical fitness scores, leadership rating, etc., Pretty black and white factors that the cadets control themselves. Seems fair, right? I presented the top five cadets who, based on these factors, just happened to be four white males and one black male. The LTC, that's Lieutenant Colonel, I worked for, got upset and said, quote, why do you not have any women or more minorities? I explained to him how we got the numbers. He didn't care and stated it would, quote, look bad, and that I submitted at least one female and one minority for the slots we had. I refused and told him that wasn't ethical, since those cadets earned those slots based on merit. I again stated that race or gender shouldn't be factors in decisions like that. He didn't care and went forward with his plan. I dropped my packet to get out the next week. Sorry that was long. Big fan. It's bad on active duty. Morale is beep. But to end on a good note, there are still some great young men who still love this country about to become officers. I have some hope. He says I can say his name. His name is Max. You understand that's one email. How many stories are there like that out there? And allow me to reinforce this again. My email address is jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. If you're active or just got out and you have stories like this you want to share with me, you will always be anonymous here no matter what. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. It is critical that you and I understand the stakes of this game. If we continue to allow this cultural Marxist rot, this filth, To work its way through our military, a lot of people are going to die. I mean, for a nation that twisted itself up into knots horribly over the last year and a half with this stupid phrase, if it saves one life, for a nation that twisted itself up into knots over that, we sure seem to be turning a blind eye to the fact People are going to die if we lose a military engagement with a ma- major power. And I don't mean I don't mean American casualty numbers. Oh, Jesse, what's that mean? Well, here's what it means. How many people, Chris, look it up because I want to give the exact number. How many people died at Pearl Harbor? 
I think it's a little over 2,000 if I remember right, but I don't know. I, I miss these numbers sometimes. If I remember right, it's a little over 2,000. 4,000. Oh, all right. Anyway, what what is the number, Chris? Chris is looking it up right now. A little over 2,000. <sighs> Those are paltry numbers compared to the combat deaths around the world in other major engagements. More people, as many people died at Stalingrad, one battle in World War II as we've ever known. You don't want to lose a major war. What else do I have to say about this? Hang on. You're going to want to hear it. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I forgot to mention, we have Chad Prather coming up in 30 minutes. Chad has a show on Blaze TV. He's my buddy. He's hilarious. But one of the reasons I want Chad to come on is Chad is running for governor. Full disclosure, Chad is a comedian. On top of having a great and hilarious show, he's a comedian, a total Texas cowboy. And when he told me a long time ago he was running for governor, he's going to primary Republican Governor Greg Abbott, I laughed at him. I just didn't think he was serious. I thought he was playing a joke on me. Chad's running for governor and has been campaigning hard for some time now and they're giving him a shot to win this thing and we haven't gotten into it much and we're not going to get into it much tonight until we talk to Chad primaries the primaries will determine the future of the Republican Party and we don't like to get involved in primaries right most people don't even know when their primary is vote in your primary dig into the candidates Find the one who fights the way you want him to fight and dig into the primaries. So we'll talk to Chad Prather about 25 minutes from now. I do want to finish my thought on this email I got about the ROTC guy. Think about this. He just said eight years he was in. Loved it. Probably an outstanding soldier. We now have eight years of institutional knowledge he has, and it's gone. That guy's gone now. Not only do we lose him, the next guys coming up don't have him to learn from. That's the rot that's accelerating things in the military now. The real testosterone-filled type A males, you know, the ones who actually win wars, they are perfectly aware they're not welcome anymore. They don't join the military to find out how racist they are, and they're going to leave because guys like that have options all over the place. They're not going to stay, and you're going to have a military full of useless weenies who get crushed by China one day. That is the danger in it. Hi, Jesse. Please tell us your opinion on why no one has made any correlation between the increased CCP virus and the large number of illegals being let in and flown all over the country. Biden administration expects us to blame U.S. citizens for the rise in positive Delta tests. Thanks. Love your show. Okay. Well, here's the problem we run into on the right. We believe a single word any of these people say. 
The Biden administration is not worried in the least about coronavirus. Not at all. In fact, pretty much none of the people who've warned you about coronavirus from the beginning, none of them are worried about coronavirus either. That's why they've all been caught out without masks on. That's why they've been caught in groups. That's why they fly when they tell you not to fly. That's why when they get there, that's why they get their haircut when they tell you not to get your haircut. None of them are actually worried about coronavirus. The Biden administration isn't either. The coronavirus, while it was obviously a real virus and is, we're never going to defeat it. It's going to be around forever now. It's a virus that's here. It's a real virus that's killed people. But coronavirus is nothing more than an opportunity in the eyes of the communist. You have to understand that. That's why he's letting in all the illegals and yet increasing restrictions on Americans, censoring Facebook posts, that kind of thing. That's why. Because it has nothing to do with coronavirus. The communist doesn't care about dead people. He doesn't care about coronavirus. The communist doesn't care about illegal immigrants. The communist only cares about communism. Everything. See, you don't look at the world like this, so it's harder for you to understand. Everything that happens, mass shooting, illegal immigration, war, disease, no, no matter what it is, an earthquake, no matter what it is, the communist doesn't look at that situation and assess it from a sympathetic standpoint. They don't look at it and try to fix it if it's a problem. They don't think like that. That's how you think. If there's a massive problem, you look at something and you think about how to fix it. Or if it's a tragic loss of life, you think how to stop it. The communist doesn't think like that. The communist looks at everything, coronavirus included, and simply says to himself, how can I use this to gain more power? That's all they care about. That's why. Of course, illegal immigrants, when you're pouring them into the country at this level, of course they're bringing in disease. And this has been something that's been known, I should mention, for the longest time. Because I was down in Arizona. Remember, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I moved to Arizona in 2004. 2004? I didn't move out of there till I think 2012 or 13. And my congressional district, well, mine, the one I was running for but lost, it was right on the border. So I've been down to the border several times. I've got news for you. Not that you're ever going to get media stories about this, national media stories about this. They're bringing in a lot more than just coronavirus. They're bringing in diseases. We have virtually eradicated we virtually eradicated. They're bringing them right back into the United States of America. That's why there is absolutely no debate. And I mean, no debate whatsoever. The Democratic Party is now the anti-American party, not un-American, the anti-American party. I say that solely based on their, their view on the border. You cannot claim to love America and have an unsecured border. You cannot. The two do not go hand in hand. I've used the example a million times. If I claim to love my house, yet let anybody in, I don't love my house. You monitor who teaches your children. You don't just let anybody teach your children. You monitor it because you care about your children. You monitor who you let into your home because you care about your home. Things you don't care about. Those are the things you like to seem nice in front of your friends by saying things like, oh, they should let everybody in. 
If there's anything, anything in your life where you think to yourself, I wish they'd let everybody in, you don't care about that thing. If you cared about it, you wouldn't think like that. Chris, I realize uh, the Washington Post and a bunch of media outlets are demanding my apology for what I said on Tucker Carlson's show last night. Would you do me a favor real quick and play for them my apology? It's the same reason she cackles like a dead hyena every time she's asked an uncomfortable question. It's the same reason she started out her political career as Willie Brown's bratwurst bun. Kamala Harris. There's my apology. (laughs) All right. Ask Dr. Jesse, what's your opening bumper song? The song is called Highway Tune by Greta Van Fleet. And actually, the whole song is even better than that little tidbit I get to play you at the beginning of the show. It's a sweet, obviously, Led Zeppelin-y sounding jam. It's awesome. Moving on. A girl at work said assault rifle in AR-15 is a reason, is reason enough for it to be illegal. Basically, she said AR stands for assault rifle. It obviously does not. Should I ask her to dinner and kindly present facts to how wrong she is? Or is a young Democrat just a waste of time? My name, he says I can use his name. My name is Joe, but most people call me Joe. <laughs> you idiots. All right. Depends on how hot she is. I mean, let's be frank about this, fellas. And I realize the ladies are rolling their eyes right now, especially as a young single dude. It really depends on how hot she is. Now, let's clarify something. I mean, she could be the hottest thing that ever walked the planet. I'm not going to marry somebody like that and have that person raise my kids. You have to keep that in mind, fellas, when you're thinking about putting a ring on it. But in a date or two wouldn't hurt. Now, I say that. I'm a famously impatient person when it comes to that kind of stupidity. I actually had a girl I picked up one time and I was supposed to pick her up and I didn't really have any money. So we were just going to pick, I was just going to pick her up and we were just going to drive around. You know what I did? I'll tell you in a second. It is the Jesse Kelly show on an ask Dr. Jesse Friday. We have the man who's challenging Republican governor of Texas. Chad Prather, he's coming up in about 10 minutes from now. Why? Why challenge the Republican governor? Back to the question. I was telling a quick story about how you should take the Democrat girl out anyway if she's hot enough. But that probably makes me a hypocrite because I picked this girl up one time, and I'm not going to say her name because for all I know, she's listening. I have to keep in mind that the the nation listens now, which is a bit of an adjustment from our 7 o'clock at night show for one hour, but that's another story. Picked her up. And the plan was to drive. It was just going to be a drive around day because I didn't have any money, right? I didn't have any money. Maybe stop, try to see if we could buy some underage beer or something. But it was, that's it. I lasted 15 minutes. She was so daggone annoying. I turned around and dropped her right back off at the house. And she asked what was going on. And I said, I forgot. I have to go do something at the house. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. She was so odd, but I couldn't, I just, I can't deal with that. So maybe, look, that's probably on me. I guess you might be able to say, you might say I have a patience problem. Hello, Dr. Kelly. As a former radio program director, I fail to understand why CNN no longer gives us the news. 
They would rather spew left-wing propaganda and hate anything that has to do with Republican ideology. If they lost over 50% of their audience, they can't be making money or appealing to advertisers. So why is CNN doing this type of programming? What is the benefit for them? Can you please explain? Thank you in advance for any assistance given. I've actually had this, this kind of question a lot from people, and I love that people think like this, trying to work out the why. Because, I mean, the ratings don't the ratings don't lie. CNN is... And it is a disaster now. And it's not it's not difficult to figure out how things work in radio and TV. It's the same thing. I need listeners. I need a lot of them. I need as many as I can get. If I have listeners, then the people who are listening to me, they will listen when I talk about my advertisers. They will go buy the things from my advertisers, which keeps the show on the air. The advertisers keep the show on the air. People have to be listening or watching or your advertisers don't sell their products and you go broke and you go have to find a real job instead of what, what I do. That's, that's the bottom line. It's not complicated. And the more people who watch, the more your show is worth to advertisers. And the fewer people who watch, the less your show is worth to advertisers. If I get on the air every single night and I talk to 100 people and they buy products from my advertisers, that's good. I mean, that's not good, but I'm, I'm shrinking the numbers for, for, you know, for effect. But if tomorrow, instead of reaching 100 people, I reach 10 people, well, eventually those advertisers are either going to A, leave, or they're going to B, say, well, I spent $500 with Jesse. He now has a lot fewer listeners. No, no, hardly anybody calls. So I'm not paying $500 again. It's all about profit. We're, we're not in a, I'm not in a charitable business here. It's about profit. Never made any bones about that. So with CNN, the audience is shrinking. And post-Trump, it's in free fall. And look, it's in free fall for everybody post-Trump, but not nearly as bad as CNN. Why? Well, once the election's over and once the human phenom of Trump is gone because Trump's so interesting, fewer people are going to watch cable news. CNN is in worse shape because they don't have talent. And they're not talented. They have a bunch of idiots on there. There are some who I think are talented, even though I disagree with them. But when Don Lemon has his own TV show, that's not good. And I'm, I'm willing to admit when, when people on the other side are talented, like Rachel Maddow, don't throw up or throw something at the radio. Rachel Maddow is talented. No, I don't agree with a single word she says. She's talented. To carry a TV show the way she does, it takes talent. It's a unique skill. Not everyone can do it. Don Lemon just sucks. That guy's a moron. That guy has his own TV show on CNN. Now, the question you asked was why? Well, one, remember this. They decided during the Trump years, they made a business decision. The business decision at CNN was this. They were known, they were never the, the, center, the center network, right? But they were known as being that center network. That's why, that's why a lot of people would turn them on in restaurants or whatnot, because you think it's not left or right, it's just CNN. Then Trump gets elected, and they figure out, look, a right-wing audience is going to go to radio, they're going to go to the various TV networks like the first TV and Fox News and things like that. Just the right is going to go that way. 
we should maybe try to super serve the left and make a fortune. And they did. During the Trump years, CNN's ratings, while they were never, you know, Fox News, they were making plenty of money to turn a profit. But they made a huge, huge mistake. They invested in a temporary thing, Trump's presidency. They went all in on Trump's presidency, all in on actually stopping Trump's presidency, which is the great irony because it was Trump's presidency who was keeping them afloat. What they didn't understand then, what they very much understand now but won't admit, what they didn't understand then was they don't have talented people on television. They had Donald Trump on television. You know, they say in um, sports radio, they say in sports radio, anybody can do a sports radio show during football season. Because football is so big and so important to Americans and so interesting. Any moron can come in and sit down behind a microphone and talk about this player, that player, this coaching decision. They say the best guys of sports radio, they're interesting when it's not football season. When it's the middle of July and you got nothing but some baseball to talk about, that's the talented guys. It's the same thing for political TV. Anybody can be interesting when Donald Trump is carrying the show. I said this to people while Donald Trump was president. I said, my fellow media pundits, if you can't do an entire radio or TV show without mentioning Donald Trump's name, you ain't going to be around long once he's gone. What you're seeing now to answer your question is this. You're going to see a slow admission from CNN that what they have isn't working. Now, I don't know that that means they're going to moderate, but you're going to start seeing adjustments for sure because there is one thing that is an absolute fact. The money's not coming in. Nobody's watching, so the advertisers are not going to pay premium dollar to be on a show where nobody's watching because it doesn't do them any good. It's not a charitable business. You're going to start seeing major, major, major adjustments. The reason CNN went all in is, like I said, they decided to take advantage of the Trump phenom machine and super serve their audience. It just, it's a dangerous road when you're investing in things that are temporary. You really want to aim for long term. You should have, if you're CNN, you should have spent four years looking for talent. Not the next person who will scream about Trump. You can find anyone to do that. You should have been shopping for talent. You didn't. It was all orange man bad for four years. Now how you doing? Five people were watching tonight. Isn't that incredible? All right. Chad Prather. He's challenging a sitting Republican governor in Texas? Why? Let's ask him. in the world is this music joining me now as you know here on the jesse kelly show the guest picks their own music what in the world my friend chad prather of the chad prather show and more importantly republican candidate for governor chad why that song because every time i think of you jesse kelly it breaks my heart (laughs) my feet will never dance again lost all rhythm Oh no! You know, it, I can feel it. It's already stuck in my head. Oh gosh, I hate you, Chad. But first, let's focus on the task at hand. 
You're challenging a Republican governor. What are you, some kind of traitor? Why? I know. I know. I'm, I'm wearing a T-shirt right now that says hashtag Abbott out. You can actually go to AbbottOut.com, and it takes you to my website that tells you more about why we're doing what we're doing. You know, I, I'm so tired. Everybody says that uh, Greg Abbott's doing a great job, you know, and the media wants to talk about what the great job he's done. Greg, and then I say, what's he done? Tell me what he's done. Not what he said, what he's done. The guy is a campaign conservative. In, in eight years in Austin, Texas, he hasn't done a single thing. He's been in Texas politics for 25 years, and he hasn't done a single thing. Uh, he never put his neck on the line for anything, but I'll tell you what he has done. He shut down the state unilaterally and dictatorially last year for the COVID pandemic. It cost people countless millions of jobs and livelihoods. Uh, he spent $295 million of taxpayer money on contact tracing. Jesse, that alone is enough to boot somebody out of office. Uh, he's spending $100 million on higher ed education, but he's crowdsourcing a supposed wall that I promise you he will never even get going. Uh, uh, countless counties, 20 counties on the, on the southern border are begging for help, Greg Abbott, to send DPS uh, resources down there. You know what? He says, we'll do it doesn't do it. Uh, don't forget the energy grid, the water crisis, uh, just the nonsense that's going on. Eight GOP legislative priorities in this most recent session, and none of them, none of them, as the bills are written, none of them get any love from Governor Greg Abbott in, in what was supposed to be the most conservative legislative session we've ever had in the history of Texas. So yeah, we're running against him. Uh, we're working to primary the guy. 25 years in politics, politics, he's never had a primary contender of, of any seriousness or note. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, you know, I've got a book coming out in September. The name of the book is Am I Crazy? The answer, Jesse, is yes, I am crazy. Chad, I need you to explain something to me. Speaking with Chad Prather, Republican candidate for governor and obviously of the Chad Prather Show, explain to me what happened to Greg Abbott, or was he always – a bit of a weenie or did it just get exposed during coronavirus? Because I've been screaming about this for a year and a half of how terrible he was on it. I mean, yeah, Johnny come lately sounds nice. Now he was awful. He had this state lockdown. He was running tyrant stuff just like anyone else. Has he always been that way? Well, the problem is I, you get to a point when you're in politics so long that you're more politician than you are person, right? And so Greg Abbott – and I asked people, I said, please tell me one piece of legislation in all of his career that he put his neck on the line and said, I'm, this, is, this is 100 percent pushing this through. No one can point out anything except for pre-K for all, and that was the push because of his wife's uh, wanted, to wanted it to happen. But there's no other legislation that Greg Abbott has ever been bold on, nothing. Uh, so you know, the guy was groomed from the beginning, right? He was – he was on the Supreme Court in Texas. He was the Texas Attorney General, became governor. I think he had aspirations uh, to ultimately run for president. The last, the last 18 months of his career has absolutely decimated his reputation amongst true conservatives. Uh, he, he's just a guy who has been a political placeholder. 
Uh, he's a campaign conservative, as I said. He, he hasn't gotten anything accomplished. It, what he has done is he's increased spending in the state by $40 billion uh, in his tenure. He's, property taxes have been driven through the roof. We've got an untenable future for our kids here, um, and, and it's just outrageous. And the guy doesn't want to deal with anything. You would think that we would be the first ones leading the charge for constitutional carry when it comes to the Second Amendment. He didn't want that passed. And the bill that finally did make it to his desk here recently, it was so watered down, it's not constitutional. It's vir- virtually unrecognizable from the bill that was written. You got 18 to 21 year olds who can go fight and die for their country, but you can't carry a firearm in the state of Texas. That's absolute insanity. By those rules, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton wouldn't be able to carry a firearm in the state without going through the whole rigmarole of filling out untold forms and getting approval. Uh, these are the kind of things we're looking at, and, and, and honestly, true conservatives across Texas are fed up with it. They're sick to death of this nonsense. Speaking with Chad Prather here, Chad, one thing I have an issue with, and I have a major issue with this with a lot of Republican governors out there, is inviting California businesses and things like that to their state. If good conservatives want to move from blue states to red states, that's one thing. Inviting a business that's going to bring thousands of likely Democrats into the state because you want to be Mr. Corporate is another. And Abbott seems to make a living doing that. Yeah, he's 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 very deep in, in, the, in the pockets of, of uh, multinational corporations. We're turning Austin, Texas into a small Silicon Valley. Uh, it, it's getting very purple around here, and you can smell the cesspool of Tesla and Facebook and HP and Amazon and, and countless others that have been uh, uh, welcomed with open arms under the guise of providing jobs for Texans. But as you know, not only do they bring their people, but they bring their ideologies and they bring their money. And uh, we all know that uh, lobbyists throughout uh, every state, whether it's run by Republicans or not, these taxpayer-funded lobbyists that are out there, they're the ones that are in control. They're the ones who are determining things. Now, you tell me how Greg Abbott, since the end of the legislative session, which was was towards the end of June, middle to the end of June, the last 10 days in the month of June, Greg Abbott, after the legislative session, raised $18.7 million in donations. Now, that's not mom-and-pop money. That's That's not the campaign I'm running at Prather2022.com. You can even go to Beto22.com and you'll find me. Uh, It's it's amazing. Uh, That's not our kind of campaign. The guy's got got $60 million in a campaign war chest. Where do you think money like that comes from? It's not the average hardworking blue-collar Texan, I can assure you that. Chad, what are you having for dinner tonight? Uh, I think I'm going to have a pizza. Are you all right now? What's the Chad Prather pizza topping of choice? I understand you're probably a very diverse man who who eats, who eats many different toppings as I do, but the one go to what is it? So right now I've got this great pizza place in Fort Worth, Texas, where I live, and uh, they've got a vegetarian pizza. But I don't leave it as vegetarian. I'll have a, I'll have them add some pepperoni on there and some jalapenos. And it's good. I, I, I've, I've cut back on – I've cut no, – I'm just kidding. I was going to lie and say I've cut back on meat. That's not true. Uh, but uh, <laughs> a veget- then I want to make jokes. Then I want to make jokes about George Michael and Wham when I talk about all the meat I eat. But listen. Uh, <laughs> but, no, uh, hold on, hold on, hold know, on. I, You're not getting away with this. 
Who eats a vegetarian pizza? What kind of man, especially a big cowboy from Texas like you, orders a vegetarian pizza? And don't try to improve it by adding pepperoni and jalapenos. You order the vegetarian pizza, Chad. I did. It's so good. But there's no pineapple on it. Uh, you know, listen, man. Listen, there, I, I'm rewriting. I just rewrote George Strait's All My Exes Live in Texas. The, the song now goes, uh, there's just two sexes here in Texas. <laughs> and uh, and I'm getting in touch with my feminine side. Here, uh, Chad Prather, everybody. What's your website real quick, bud? Prather2022.com. You can find everything at watchchad.com. And we're having a blast doing this thing, and I encourage people to get involved and check us out. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Jesse. Take care, buddy. Good dude. Hope he wins. It is important. It is important for you to get involved in your primary. Maybe you should run in your primary. You know, it's not the end of the world if you lose. And you might. Trust me, I've lost twice. It's not the end of the world if you lose. You know what you feel like when you run for office and you do it for the right reasons and you lose? I'll be totally frank with you. It hurts. There's no easy way about that. You have to walk up to that podium, as I have had to do twice, and give a speech to your supporters and tell them you lost. That hurts. It's not easy. But there is something else about running for office and losing you should know. Hang on, I'll tell you. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. I realize I realize we have more than an hour left on the show. I wish we could extend it tonight. Is it? Are we allowed to extend it, Chris? I don't want to go to some neighborhood party tonight. I hate talking to people when I'm done with work. What is it with women? Who insists, I mean, women are, I, I swear it's like universal this way too. When work gets done on the Friday, they want to go out. They want to go hang out with the neighbors. They want to do this. That, that When I'm done, I want to be done. But they're thinking that's fun. I don't understand it. I don't understand this world, Chris. Quick reminder for a couple things, a couple housekeeping items. Our new history podcast. Remember, I do a history podcast. It's not going to be, you're not going to hear it on the radio, but I do a history podcast once a week. It drops tomorrow. I think you'll enjoy it. If you're hunting for it, it'll be on our normal podcast feed on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. You'll see it on there. It'll drop tomorrow. That's one. Two, rate and review the show. Leave a five star rating, leave a review. Talking about how handsome I am. We have Ann Coulter coming up on Monday on the show. That should be entertaining as always. I love Ann. Dr. Jesse, one of your episodes, you mentioned your favorite foods at Red Lobster. Can you please remind me so I can give them a try? It would be my honor. It would be my honor. Don't shake your head at Red Lobster, Chris. I'll stop this show right now. Here's what you order at the greatest restaurant in America. And I will not take anybody making fun of Red Lobster. I understand I'm white trash. I've never pretended to be anything other than that. I love it. And people catch me eating there in Houston all the time. And people will recognize me. And they'll come up and say, hey, Jesse, I can't believe you actually eat here. Did you think this was a bit? I love it. 
I'm not even, this is no exaggeration. I've eaten at Red Lobster by myself multiple times over just the last year. Oftentimes, you know, the wife won't want to go. Something about the quality issues or whatever. I'll just go by myself. Here's what you order at Red Lobster. Pay attention. Remember something. I may be a man of few skills, but I am the menu whisperer. I can, Don't shake your head, Chris. I can look at a menu no matter what, even if I've never been there before, and I can pick out the gem items on the menu. I tell people totally arrogantly, people I just met, when I sit down to dinner with them, I'll say, just order what I order. And they always look at me crazy and multiple times after the food has gotten there and their sucks and mine's dynamite, they'll admit to me, I should have ordered what you ordered. You're daggone right you should have. So here's what you order at Red Lobster, first and foremost. Get the mozzarella cheese sticks. You would never think, but Red Lobster probably has the best mozzarella cheese sticks on the planet. Nobody knows about it. Nobody orders them. They're phenomenal. Get the mozzarella cheese sticks. Then what you're going to do is you're going to create your own feast. You're going to create your own feast, and you're going to get the shrimp scampi. That's that scampi that comes in the little bowl of lemon garlic butter. And, now pay attention to this part, you're going to get the Cajun Shrimp Alfredo. You're not going to see it on the menu. You will see Shrimp Alfredo on the menu. You'll think to yourself, oh no, Jesse lied to me, there's no Cajun. Disregard that. They all have the Cajun option, every one of them. And believe me, I've eaten at a lot of Red Lobsters. They all have the Cajun option. You will get that Cajun shrimp pasta. You will almost die. It's so good. And you will email me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com, and thank me for it. Because I demand people thank me when I guide them through menus. As the menu whisperer, I like, what, Chris? I, I like the acknowledgement that comes with that. All right? There you go. Dessert? I'm sorry to say, you can skip the dessert. For years and years and years, I've wanted Red Lobster to have even one vaguely respectable dessert. They do not. Oh, I did forget one thing, though. Another thing at Red Lobster, before your food gets there, get a salad. You know, I'm not a big salad guy. I know you're going to find that shocking. Get the blue cheese on it. Red Lobster might have the best blue cheese ever, ever. And when you're done with your whole meal, remember I told you to get the shrimp scampi, right? Your shrimp scampi will be gone, and you'll still have that bowl of lemon garlic butter. Have them, because they're really nice, like Red Lobster all the time. Have them bring you an extra warm thing of the, or, or just a new warm thing of biscuits, the Cheddar Bay biscuits. Take the biscuits and start dipping every bite in the lemon garlic butter that's in the bowl of shrimp scampi. I know what you're thinking. Jesse, that doesn't sound very healthy. You're at Red Lobster. Healthies for tomorrow. Go enjoy yourself. Hey, great Oracle, most handsome radio star to ever grace the airwaves. Now that is how you start an email, Chris. I need to know how you would rank these five legendary bands. Led Zeppelin, Leonard Skinner, Grateful Dead, Pink Floyd, the Eagles. 
That's easy. Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Leonard Skinner, The Eagles, and The Grateful Dead is garbage. Get serious. The Grateful Dead had like one good song. After that, it was just a bunch of druggies. And don't don't give me this. I know. See, I'm going to get killed for this. Um, don't give me these emails. Oh, you don't know what it's like being a deadhead. Yeah, I do. Okay, you drove around the country smoking weed. It's not that complicated. Oh, handsome one. If Genghis Khan was brought into a time machine in a modern day and was given an army of 100,000 people, and I was given an army of equal strength with equal weapons in a completely equal battlefield, who would win the battle? Genghis Khan with his tactical knowledge or you with your knowledge of modern weapons? Genghis Khan would slaughter you. Genghis Khan, yeah, maybe a bit of a mass murderer, probably the greatest general who ever walked the planet, without question the greatest conqueror who ever walked the planet. If I did not get to your questions yet, stay tuned, because I still just might. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and we have a lot more show for you. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Friday final hour. And yes, we're still going to keep having fun today. Time for some more Ask Dr. Jesse questions. <sighs> this is not nice. You see, so many of you are not nice. I am such a kind, gentle human being. And I don't, what, Chris? I don't deserve this kind of abuse. This is. Did you have to cheat to get good grades at community college? Just wondering, since the only people you can cheat off of also go to community college. That is just not nice. Then she says, thank you for making my second shift job bearable. You have a great show and are more handsome than all the other radio personalities. (laughs) What, Chris? Sorry she has excellent taste. One, I encourage people to go to community college. And I don't do Look, I went to community college because I'm dumb. All right, you're probably not dumb. I am. When I got out of the Marine Corps in 2004, I just went back to work in construction. And by that point in time, my old man had started his own construction company, and I started working there. Now, I was in the ditch, but still, I figured I'd work my way up. Maybe one day, you know, just do this the rest of my life. That's what I was going to do the rest of my life was construction of some form. As I mean, family business what I knew, but... I was still in this mode of the mode I try to break in you, the mode of, wow, I I have to go to college. And I felt obligated because I had the GI Bill where they pay for most of it. I really, I felt obligated to not waste that money. I mean, gosh, Chris obviously can at least respect that. I didn't want to waste money. So I thought, okay, well, I'll go to community college. Now, community college was right for me because I'm a bad student. I don't properly respect teachers, apparently. I don't like doing homework. In fact, I've always gotten resentful about it, even as a child. I would get home at night, and I would think, why do I have to do more homework? I was just there all day. I don't want to do homework anymore. And because I'm a really bad person, I only like to do the things I want to do. And I know that sucks, and and you're supposed to do more than that, but I only want to do the things I want to do. And I show no interest and put no effort into doing things I don't want to do unless it's, you know, the wife wants to go hang out with some friends. And I don't want to go. I mean, shoot. Actually, that's a great example. Tonight when I get off the show, 
when I get off the show, there's some big neighborhood block party and everyone's going down and they're all going to have a couple beers and we're all going to talk. There's nothing in the world I want to do less than that. Nothing. I want to go home, maybe watch a documentary. Don't make fun of me. I want to watch a World War I documentary or something. Put a bourbon in my hand. Hang out with my buddies. I mean my sons. And do nothing. I don't want to go talk to people. I'm going to do it because the wife wants, but I wouldn't if it wasn't for her. I would go home and do nothing. And because I lack shame or, or feelings or human emotion, they would call me. The neighbors all have my number. They call me or text me or knock on my door, and I would just ignore them. Or if they pressed it, I'd say, no, I'm not coming. And they'd say, why? I don't make up lies about that stuff. I'd say, because I don't feel like it. And that's it. Everyone knows in the neighborhood, I Irish goodbye all the time. Everybody knows it. What's an Irish goodbye, you ask? Well, and I realize I'm getting way sidetracked here. I'll get back to it in a moment. What do I, what, what I, what's an Irish goodbye? It's a tradition in Ireland, although I've never been. For all I know, this is an old wives' tale, but supposedly it's an Irish tradition. Irish hosts are really caring. And when you want to leave, if there's a party in an Irish home, they want, the host wants to make sure you're taken care of. Can I make a plate for you? Say goodbye. Can I do all these other things? So it's considered polite to simply leave. Don't tell the host goodbye. Then you don't put all these obligations on the host. Now, that's why they do it, because they're polite. I do it because I'm rude. I'm known for this. The entire neighborhood knows it by now. They all laugh about it. I'm running out of energy the second I get there, because I don't want to hang out with all these people all the time. A little bit's fine. It's not like I dislike them. It's not like they're bad people. There's a timer. Right when I show up, there's a timer. And whenever I'm done, I'm not going to get up and say goodbye. I'm not going to get up and say I'm leaving. Why? Here's why. Because here's what I'll get. Oh, no, just stay. Oh, hang out for another hour. Oh, but we were just doing that. Oh, but the... I don't want to deal with that because by the time I get up to leave, I'm already tired and done with the party. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk out. And I'm not going to say anything to anybody. That's called the Irish goodbye. Now, back to what we were talking about. I'm a bad student because I only want to do the things I want to do. So I decided I should, I don't want to waste the GI Bill. I'll still try to get some kind of degree. I'm working construction and I'm making good money. I think I was making, uh, gosh, I don't even remember, $50,000, $60,000 a year. I mean, I was making real money. Fresh out of the Marine Corps where you're making like 20 cents a year. I, I, I could make a car payment. I had a decent apartment by myself. I mean, obviously, I'm not wealthy, but I'm doing fine. I'm doing real fine. I decided I want to start doing the community college thing. One, I wasn't in the right frame of mind to be doing the community college thing. Remember, this is still, I was still really fresh back from Iraq. I would, I was not in a good place. I would sit in the back of the classroom with the ball cap on, pulled way down over my head. And I just didn't want anybody to talk to me. Leave me alone. I kind of feel like hitting somebody right now. Nobody talk to me right now. And I'm rude and abrasive with the teachers. I remember we had this sociology professor. And, of course, a sociology professor. So, of course, he's this whacked out liberal nutball. And someone we get on the subject of crime. And, and the part of Tucson that's bad is South Tucson. It's a real Mexican barrio type area, real ghetto out area. 
Now, granted, of course, that's where you get the best breakfast tacos, so I still win all the time, but it's, it's a dangerous place. People die there. He brought up the fact that, uh, well, the only reason... The only reason there's more arrests in these in these bad neighborhoods is because there's more cops there. And so I raised my hand in the back. I generally didn't do this. I raised my hand in the back and said, okay, um, so you're telling me you would be just as comfortable taking your wife and dropping your wife off for a midnight stroll through South Tucson as you would taking her to some nice neighborhood and dropping her off for a stroll in the middle of the night? I mean, the problem is the cops, right? The problem is the cops. That, of course you're not. Stop playing stupid with me. I, I have no idea why I just told you that story just now, but I just told it anyway. There. House Republicans launch Freedom from Big Tech Caucus. Now, let's talk about caucuses here for a second. You and I care about the Republican Party having teeth, right? We want the Republican Party to get some guts. We want them to start fighting for the things you and I care about. We're tired of these wussy, lay down and take it Republicans. I know I certainly am. All that's understandable. That's what you and I believe. I understand that. I get that. The problem is... The good Republicans, while their numbers have actually grown in recent years, the good Republicans are outnumbered. And when it comes to what actually gets done in in the House of Representatives in the Senate, it's one gigantic caucus measuring contest. It is. If I, let's say I got elected to Congress, which as we all know, that's not going to happen. I tried twice and failed twice. But let's say I got elected to Congress. I can be the best leader, the strongest personality. I can have the best ideas. I can, I I could never waver all that stuff. None of that does any good. If I'm still just me, they can simply ignore me, freeze me out. Jesse, we want you to vote for this bill, vote for this bill up yours. I'm not voting for that bill. I stand for what's right. Oh, okay. Forget about Jesse. Who cares? We'll just go get votes from someone else. Now, If I get 10 friends, 20 friends who will stand with me whenever I take a stand like that, now I become more and more powerful. Are you starting to understand the caucus measuring contest? This is going to apply to this freedom from big tech thing in ways you may not want to talk about. But first, let me tell you something. You support companies all the time who hate America. You don't do this on purpose. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I do too. I've talked to you endlessly about how I'm trying to stop doing that. I'm doing everything I can to make sure my money goes to corporations who love this country, but you still have to exist in this corrupted system. Why are you getting bedding? Why are you getting pillows? Why are you getting towels, slippers, pajamas, mattress pads, anything from anyone else than my pillow? Because you don't have a quality excuse, I'll tell you that much. There is no higher quality than my pillow. None. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee for a reason. You can use it for two months and get your money back. And right now, the best cotton in the world is Giza. My pillow has these Giza dream sheets, two for one low price plus free shipping. Go to mypillow.com, use the promo code Jesse. That's mypillow.com, promo code Jesse. Go get your Giza Dream Sheets today. 
Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com The Jesse Kelly Show, and yes, we're having fun tonight on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Let me finish my thought on the caucus measuring contest in Congress, because that's what it is. House Republicans launch a Freedom from Big Tech caucus. Okay, it's Republicans Ken Buck and Lance Gooden, and I know Ken a little bit. Ken is good people. And it looks like there are other Republicans in there who so far... I mean, you don't get married to people for life, but so far have been really good. Madison Cawthorn, Burgess Owens, Paul Gosar. They're saying things like big tech has abused its market power for decades and, and Congress must hold these companies accountable. And they're saying all the right things and they're doing all the right things. Here's something you haven't thought of yet. And man, I almost don't even want to tell you to do it because you're going to do it and it's going to be disheartening. I'm not trying to bring it down on a Friday. In fact, we'll get back to our Ask Dr. Jesse questions in a minute. Go look at how many Republican members of Congress receive large campaign donations from Google, from Facebook, from the other big tech companies. There's a reason Republicans have talked really, really, really tough for a while now about big tech, but not actually done anything about it. Why do you think that is? Let's keep in mind, we knew like 15 minutes after the 2016 presidential election, Trump won. We knew big tech was really, really mad that their platforms were used to help a non-communist get elected. They were open that they were going to try to do everything they could to make sure that didn't happen again next time. They were going to try to stop his reelection. Again, these are they were open about this. They had meetings about it. Everyone knew this. And we were sitting on the House, the Senate, and the presidency for two years. And you know what we did about big tech in that time? Nothing. Not a single thing. There is a bitter pill we all have to accept at some point in time. And it's taken me a long time to get there, but I've realized this. The Democrat Party, the modern-day Democrat Party, yeah, they're communist. They are. They're full-blown communist, and they're terrible and totalitarian and anything bad you want to say about them. But the people you and I, the people we rely on to defend us from those communists, half of them at least, they're bought out. They're bought out. They're not on our side. And I'm not just talking about someone like Mitt Romney. I know that's what a lot of people will say. Whenever you bring this up, I get people say, yeah, Mitt Romney. Set Mitt Romney aside. We know Mitt Romney's lost. Mitt Romney, to his credit, openly works for the other team. Here's something rough for you. People you think are on your side aren't. They'll go on television They'll call some big tech guy in front of them, have this congressional hearing, this fire and brimstone. Why are you censoring conservatives? This is an outrage. 
and you'll get an email 15 minutes after the hearing's over. Did you hear Congressman so-and-so go after Facebook, donate $50 to his reelection campaign today, and help us stop big tech censorship? And all this stuff will take place, and then you'll go look at the FEC reports, the Federal Election Commission reports. Wait a minute. Google donated $10,000 to this guy's pack? What? I thought he was I thought he was against these companies. What? No. There are workhorses and there are show horses. And you and I get seduced. And look, you're it's not like you're the only one who's guilty. It happens to me too. We get seduced by show horses all the time. You remember Lindsey Graham during the Kavanaugh hearings? You remember that? Lindsey Graham. I mean, he's widely been known as, you know, kind of a kind of a flimsy, moderate-style Republican, right? All of a sudden, Brett Kavanaugh is being accused of being an alcoholic gang rapist, and Lindsey Graham is the lion out there? Lindsey Graham all over TV every single day, blasting away at the Democrats, blasting away at Christine Blasey Ford, and... I, I'm just as guilty as you, so don't think you're alone if you fell for it. I was saying things like, what in the world? What is in Lindsey Graham's drinking water these days? This guy has turned into a warrior. Look at Lindsey Graham. This is great. Lindsey Graham backtracked on that and turned into Lindsey Graham again about 15 minutes after the Kavanaugh hearing was over, after all the re-election money came pouring in, Lindsey Graham is still the same Lindsey Graham he's always been. It's easy for you and I to get seduced. We get seduced. It's, it's understandable. It's not because we're bad people. Not Well, wait a minute. Hold on. It's not because you're a bad person. I am a bad person. But we get seduced. Because we're hungry. We're, I hate using this word, but we're desperate. You and I are desperate. We are desperate for people on the right to actually fight for what we believe in with the same vigor that we have. You want people to fight like you fight. You want people to believe like you believe. And the second one of these Republicans gives you even a glimmer of hope, that they're the one who's going to do it for you, and they're there standing with you, you want to believe it so bad that you just, you fall for it. It's the lovesick guy in the strip club who really believes the stripper thinks he's cute. I mean, maybe a normal thinking human being, but he wants to believe it so bad. It's just not true. If you really want to know how serious your favorite Republican is about taking on big tech, you will go look at the FEC reports. Anyone can do it. You're welcome to Google it and go look at their donations they've received from Facebook, from Twitter, from Google. And that will tell you absolutely everything you need to know. Because if you think any one of these big tech platforms is donating to the candidate who's actively working against them. Well, then I've got another thing for you, huh? All right. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Quick reminder again, 
our history podcast. Remember, I do a once a week history podcast. This week's is awesome, if I say so myself. It's dropping tomorrow, and it'll be on the normal podcast feed. I hope I heart Google, Spotify, and iTunes. And while you're there in iTunes, leave a five-star rating and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. All right. We have a bunch of Ask Dr. Jesse questions left. You can still email them throughout the show. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. This one. Sir, my family and I live in a northeastern state. We're locked down for months, destroyed businesses, so on and so forth. We've decided we will likely move away within a few years to a state that aligns with our values. How do we convince our older parents to move as well as they don't understand why remaining is untenable? I get this a lot. I'll explain in just a second. The Jesse Kelly Show. Chris, I feel like the last dance with Mary Jane thing in there is some kind of drug reference. What? What? It is, isn't it? I knew it. The devil's lettuce. <laughs> it is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. The question was, well, let me go through it again. Sir, my family and I have been living in a northeastern state, which locked down for months, destroyed businesses, closed schools, etc., our, fa- our family has been in the state since the 1840s, and we have dozens of family members in the contig- contiguous states. Contig- is that a word, Chris? Contiguous? We didn't cover that word at Pima Community College. Okay, I don't know all these words. Moving on. We have decided we will likely move away within a few years to a state that aligns more with our values. Here's the question. How do we convince our older parents to move as well? as they don't understand why remaining is untenable. Let me explain something to you. I think the number is 40%. I think 40% of the United States of America, and this is in an ultra-mobile time, never leaves their hometown, ever. That's wild to think about, especially for me because I've lived all over the country. They never leave their hometown. If you have older parents with roots like that who've been there since the 1840s. And believe me, I know this sucks to hear because I get I get emails like this all the time. How do I convince my sister to come with me? How do I convince my parents? How do I You can't save everyone. And your parents they've probably earned the right, if we're being honest, to live where they want to live. If your parents have roots like that and they've been there that long, but you want something different for you and your family, and I applaud you. Remember, I've been telling people this forever. Balkanize. Get out of your blue area. Get to a red area. Make it redder. I've lived everywhere. Let me tell you, living in an area where they share your values is even better than you think it is. It's fantastic. So do it. But if they don't want to, you're probably not going to get them out of there. You're probably not going to get them out of there. And I realize that's harder for other people than it is for me. 
Now, I'm not a cold heart. Well, actually, I am a cold hearted jerk. I was about to lie. All right. Okay. I'm a cold hearted jerk, but we lived around so many of my cousins and aunts and uncles when I was a kid, when I was in Ohio. They lived, you know, hour, hour and a half away. And we'd have these big get togethers where I would lip off to all the older cousins and get beaten up and stuff like that. I know you, I know you're going to find that shocking, but. They said they used to hold me under the hose and I would still be talking mess when I was under the hose. This is who I am, apparently. But then we moved to Montana when I was 10. We don't have any extended family in Montana. No family at all. No grandparents, no cousins, no nothing. So I didn't really grow up after the age of 10 around my extended family. And then in my post-life, after that, I've lived everywhere and I'm never around family. Not even my parents. I have nobody down here where I live. So that's the norm for me. But I've always looked at people who live around their families. And I'll be honest with you. I think it's pretty cool. Maybe maybe that's one of those because you didn't have it kind of things. And it's not like I hate any part of my life. I, had a wonderful, I, I have a wonderful life. If I die tomorrow, it's been a great 39 years. But these people who have these get-togethers on the weekend, Getting together with the parents, getting together with the grandparents, doing this, doing that. I've always thought that was so cool. These big family outings. Oh, it's the 4th of July. Let's do a big family barbecue. I've always thought that was cool. And when I tell people to balkanize, when I tell you to pack up and move, get out of there and all these other things, understand something. I'm not naive. Sometimes people simply can't because of their job. Sometimes people are simply too entrenched with their families to do that. And who am I to tell you otherwise? I'm not in charge of you. I'm not judging you. But hear me out on this. As you know, I've told you this story a hundred times. I moved to D.C. after Tucson, lived there for a year, and just simply hated the values there. When I say values, I mean, it's not even just Democrat-Republican, although that's probably tied to it. Nobody even holds the door open for people, even women and kids. Nobody says, yes, ma'am, no, sir. They don't look you in the eye. Everyone's so sullen all the time. I grew up in Montana. When you move to Montana, now this is really going to sound country bumpkin. When you move to Montana, it is the norm when you're driving up the road. The norm is car passes you coming the other way, right? So you're heading one way, he's heading the other. You raise a finger or raise your hand off the steering wheel and you wave. You just simply wave to everybody on the way by. Just wave. You never get that in a place like D.C. So we quit and we moved to a place in Texas that shares our values. I looked for work everywhere, but the whole purpose of the trip, we drove through the Carolinas and Tennessee and all the the Alabama and all that. I was looking for work. We finally moved to a place that shares our values, the Texas suburbs, where we still live. I mean, that was Dallas back then, but it's Houston now. Hear me on this. If you're considering doing it, if you're considering making the big move, taking the big chance, getting out of there, if you actually get to a place where they share your values, it's so nice. It's even better than you can possibly imagine. And you can't really put that into one. You can't can't explain why with one specific thing. It's the tiny interactions you have throughout the day, throughout the week that add up to simply a better life. People share your values in general around you. Your life is better. 
like I said, I know what it's like to live in a super blue area. I've lived in multiple super blue areas, blue cities, blue. T- it sucks. It, it just does. It sucks. It's not fun. It's terrible. If you're thinking about getting out, get out. Give it a try. Jesse, do you think there will come a point in the not too distant future that the Democrats will go full speed ahead and sh- and pass some completely illegal law or emergency powers act demanding that all licensed gun owners in the U.S. turn in all their guns or else? Honestly, what do you think the reaction would be of most, if not all, the population after what happened in New Orleans after Katrina? I'm not so sure. Understand this. When I talk about us needing a national divorce, the thing that gives me hope that it's possible, the only thing that gives me hope that it's possible is this. We are so armed on the right. The right has so many firearms and so much ammo. And the more the Democrats press forward, the more scared the right gets and they buy more guns and more ammo. The reason that gives me hope is this. They know they're missing that one final piece. The final piece of the totalitarian puzzle is they must disarm you in order to force you how to do everything they want to do. They understand it is a necessary step. It always has been. There's never been one of these disgusting, murderous, communist dictatorships without disarming people first. They understand it's a necessary step. They understand it hasn't happened yet, and they hate it. That's why they're constantly doing things like appointing that nutball David Chipman to the head of the ATF to try to do whatever they can to disarm you. They want your guns. They want them badly, really, really badly. It's the one thing keeping them from doing whatever they want, whatever they want. I would love to sit here because I don't want to try to fear monger. I try to always give it to you straight. I would love to sit here and tell you, no, there's not going to be some time where they just ignore the law. No, they're never going to do that. But history says that's probably naive. They want power over you bad enough. They are going to try to make you a lawbreaker as a gun owner. Now, The second part of your question is the interesting part, and you're going to want to wait and hear this. What will the population do when that happens? Hang on, I'll tell you. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. One final segment on a Friday. You know what? I, I, you know, I'm going to stop saying one final segment on a Friday because I'm such a caring, kind person. Don't roll your eyes, Chris, because I'm such a caring, kind person. I realize when I say it's the final segment on a Friday, you're probably heartbroken. You're probably thinking to yourself, oh, Jesse's so smart and handsome and right about everything. I want him to go on forever. So if I'm warning you it's the final segment, it probably brings you down, and I don't want that. (laughs) All right, quit. Back to my story. The question was about illegal guns 
Are they going to make you illegal? Are they going to seize them? Are they going to go full speed ahead? It'd be naive to think otherwise because they know it's the final step. Now, that's an extreme step. They know it's the final step. But I have some bad news, and this is this is bad news. I have some bad news. A lot of people would turn in their guns tomorrow if they were made illegal. How do I know that? Do you remember what happened during coronavirus? You understand. I mean, we've gotten a million miles away from this. You understand a governor, a mayor telling this business, you close, and that business, you close, and that business, you close, and then looking at this business and saying, all right, you can stay open. I I think you're essential. You know that's not legal, right? They had no legal right to do what they did to you during coronavirus, and yet people complied. And I'm not criticizing people. I'm really not because that's just you look around. No one wants to get arrested. But there again lies the problem, right? How comfortable are you having the police show up, having handcuffs placed on you, and being taken to jail, charged with a crime, paying for an attorney? You want to spend the night in jail tonight? You want to spend the next year in jail? You a jail person? You see what I mean? People can say all the time, this is illegal, I won't do it, I won't comply, don't tread on me, all these other things. But the truth of the matter is, unless you are willing to go to jail, you will comply. Because they have the power of force over you. That doesn't make you a weakling. It doesn't make you a bad person. But you would better look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself the question, how committed are you? Because if the government does take the step, and they want to take it, now I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow or, or the next day or anything like that, but if the government wants to take a step and say, uh, AR-15s, illegal, any magazine over 10 rounds, which is pretty much all magazines, that's the point of a magazine, any magazine over 10 rounds, illegal. If you own one, you're a felon. Turn them in tomorrow. If the government says that, are you going to be down at the cop shop turning in your guns? And if you say, nope, I won't do it, Jesse. I won't do it. I won't turn in my guns. This this is the hill I'll die on. Okay, that's fine. Good. I'm glad you have that attitude. Good. You comfortable going to federal prison? Remember, think about what that means. Ladies, you going to kiss the kiddos goodbye? Sorry, son. Hopefully dad can afford a nanny to take you to preschool. Mommy's not coming home for five years. Going to federal prison? Dads? How much money does she make? How much does she bring in? she affording that mortgage payment? Car payment? You're going to kiss your wife goodbye? Have your kids wrap their arms around your neck and say, dad, don't go with tears coming down their face? If it sounds like I'm trying to make it real, it's because I'm trying to make it real. Unless you're willing, unless enough people are willing to get in serious trouble with the law, whenever they do make that decision to make you and I felons, to make you and I criminals, you're going to be very, very, very disappointed at how many people you think are on your side comply. 2020 
was one of the most revealing times of my life because so many pundit friends I have and politician friends I have on the right, set aside the communists, forget about them. So many pundits and politicians I'm friends with on the right not only complied with all this COVID stuff in the beginning, they were pushing it. They were pushing it and shaming or trying to shame people who weren't pushing it. You should see my text messages from people you would know in radio, in TV. You should see my text messages. Jesse, why are you against these lockdowns? Jesse, you're going to get people killed. Jesse, you should be telling people the lockdowns are a good idea. Jesse, why aren't you encouraging people to get the vaccine? Jesse, what's wrong with you? Do you want people to die? Not from communists from people you view as your freedom fighters. Do you remember it was me and like two other people who were all, uh, no, this is insane. I remember. I remember. Don't forget. And look, I'm not saying that to you to bring you down. I don't want you to look around and say to yourself, oh, all these people with me are scumbags and they're weaklings and they're useless and I can't count on any of them. I'm saying it to you because I want you to be aware. When the beep hits the fan, and I hope you're not alive for that, and I hope your kids aren't, your grandkids aren't, but when the beep hits the fan, and the beep always hits the fan at some point, doesn't it? History says it's going to. When it hits the fan, the amount of people around you you can rely on, it's going to narrow down significantly, way, way more than you think it's going to. Look around you. Think about all the friends, family family members, too, you have, and ask yourself, would that person be willing to go to federal prison for what he believes in? Would that person be willing to go to federal prison For me, how many of those people do you have in your life? Most people, myself included, don't have very many. That's the reality of life. If you missed any part of the Jesse Kelly show, you can catch the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. What, Chris? You go keep your chin up. Enjoy your weekend. Go eat good food. Have a beer. Kiss the old lady. That's all.